0: As 2019 dawns, have you made a financial New Year's resolution. January is traditionally the time of year when we try to make a new start. For many, it's a case of trying to lose pounds by starting a new diet and exercise regime. But in this special New Year edition of the FT Money podcast, we'll be sharing a wealth of tips for listeners who are trying to save pounds. Pounds and pence, that is. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett. FT Money Editor. And today I'm joined by none other than Bobby Seagull, the University Challenge star, now quite possibly the UK's most famous maths teacher, and of course, FT columnist. Welcome, Bobby.
1: Uh, happy New Year. Well,
0: yeah. and Happy New Year to you. So we've invited you to co present the podcast with me today, because obviously you're a quiz expert and a legendary brainiac. So can we kick off by offering any insights into why human beings make New Year's resolutions?
1: Yes, yeah, so we're going to have to get a time machine. Back to 4,000 years ago.
0: 4,000.
1: 4,000. So picture yourself in ancient Mesopotamia, around the Euphrates, and we're with the Babylonians. So they were actually the first to come up with New Year's resolutions, although their year started not in January, but in March. Ah. Um, I think to do with the agricultural seasons and the, the rise and fall of the floods. But actually, their resolutions were based on financial ones. So they made two types of resolutions. One was they would make a promise to the gods to pay off their debts. And secondly, that they'd return any objects they'd borrowed. So really sort of financially astute resolutions they had.
0: That's amazing. So it was actually grounded in a financial promise or Uh, contracts. Absolutely. But the the only difference is if
1: they missed their resolutions, like nowadays, you know, you get penalty charges or fines. There's a sort of be falling out of favour with the gods. And that's perhaps more of an eternal damnation than one with the bank. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, it depends on, <laughs> depends, it depends on how, how recently you've checked your, uh, your, your credit file. And, and how did it progress then through the years? Because it didn't just stop with the, with the Babylonians. No, so
1: we wouldn't have our sort of resolution. So the Romans then pick up the, the mantle. So that Giza, Julius Caesar. So he changed the calendars from March to Jan the 1st. At the start of the year. And a bit of a pop quiz question. January is named after which Roman god?
0: Janus, the god of war.
1: Ten points. Excellent. F.T. Barrett. So he, so this god looked backwards and forwards. Backwards at the past year and forwards into the future. So Romans actually offered sacrifices to this god and made promises or resolutions for good conduct for the coming year.
0: Uh-huh. So the first
1: resolutions. But we have to go a bit more forward in time for the proper resolutions that we sort of see nowadays. So step forward, founder of Methodism, John Wesley in 1740. What does, does, his name do? ring a, does his name ring a bell at all from religious studies at school? <laughs> you know, we're
0: talking, this is a few, a few decades <laughs> ago, but, but,
1: but yes. So this man, uh, John Wesley, he created the Covenant Renewal Service, which is either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. And people started thinking about past mistakes, but more importantly, they resolved to do better in the future. And that's ultimately where the modern concept of resolutions came from.
0: Mm, so a process of of atonement, uh, <laughs> perhaps, and, and pledging to, to do better in the New Year. Well, absolutely fascinating. I knew that you would be able to find out the history on this. But also, that was a bit of a history lesson. Obviously, you're a maths teacher. So statistically speaking, I'm guessing as a layperson, that most of us who make New Year's resolutions, whether they're for weight loss or financial gain, <laughs> we don't end up keeping them.
1: Yeah, so sadly that's the reality. And in two thousand and seven, Bristol University actually did a study, uh, surveyed three thousand people, and they found that nearly nine in ten of us, about eighty eight percent, fail on our resolutions. And that's by the end of the year. But what's more sort of damning is a quarter of resolutions are lost in a couple of weeks. So by fifteenth of Jan, twenty five percent of our resolutions just in the bin.
0: Well, it's certainly the case if if you're a, a regular member of a gym, I wouldn't advise going at all over the, the next couple of weeks because it's just going to be absolutely rammed. It's like WrestleMania. Yeah, and then by February, um, they will go away. Exactly. Um, so
1: start your resolutions in February. If you do it then, then you've clearly got the... The intent to carry them out.
0: Or if you if you miss your resolutions in January then take a leaf out of the Babylonians book if indeed they had books in those days <laughs> yeah. probably papyrus clay tablets clay exactly tablets, yeah. and uh, start start again in March. so let's get the the conversation back to um, back to finance. So I asked all of the FT columnists, including Bobby and other financial commentators to share a financial New Year's resolution in a tweet just before Christmas. And on New Year's Eve, we tweeted lots of them out from the FT Money account. Now, we're going to be reading out some of the ones that are our favourites shortly. Um, But Bobby, let's start with your own New Year's resolution in a tweet so in 240 characters. Mm. So I go to gym classes to protect
1: my fin- Ooh, my physical health. In 2019, I'm going to treat my financial health in the same way. I'm going to start scheduling a weekly 15-minute slot to examine my finances to build up a regular habit.
0: Mm. Now, what I like about your resolution is that, in reference to our conversation about how easy it is to not keep up with these pledges that we make to ourselves is that 15 minutes a week sounds fairly innocuous. I think you'll be able to stick to that.
1: Exactly. and I think it's about setting targets that are achievable. And again, that Bristol University study, they found that the people that succeeded in their resolutions are the ones that set goals that were, you know, smart, Mm. specific, measurable, achievable, realistic targets. So if you set something unrealistic, like, you know, I want to completely make over my finances become a
0: millionaire Yeah, exactly
1: but something specific like saying that I will save 10 pounds a month or for me (laughs) 10 pounds a week Uh, uh, for my one is like 15 minutes a week looking at my finances that way you sort of lose that phobia of oh god I don't want to look at my finances so just a regular something that's not again haven't achieved it yet this week I've still got another five days to go but just once a week 15 minutes
0: yeah because this is a habit that I already have. But then you would you would perhaps um, expect that, being, <laughs> <coughs> being the money editor of the FT. But my only advice to you would be, I tend to make Saturday mornings the time that I do money stuff for my household. I call it the golden hour. So before my stepson or my husband wakes up, I can go downstairs, put a pot of coffee on early in the morning. Mm. And I normally have like three or four tasks that I want to tick off, whether that's like paying a bill or looking to renew a contract or whatever it might be might be i know that i'm not going to get disturbed and it's also when most of the ft money articles have been published so it's a nice time also to look on twitter mm-hmm. and look at the reader comments and uh, talk to people about about money while i'm in a money frame of mind. So maybe having a regular time every week when you spend your 15 minutes could help you stick to your resolution.
1: Good idea. Maybe Saturday as well for me, the golden hour, the golden quarter of an hour. We can
0: both tweet each other when we're done (laughs) and say yes. But for my resolution this year, I have picked something that is specific and targeted and needs to be done. uh, Because I live in a leasehold flat. Now we write a lot about the perils of leasehold property in the FT money section. um, Obviously, if I could have bought a freehold house 15 years ago, I I would have done. They're obviously a lot more expensive. So my top task on my to do list this year is extending my lease, which legally I am allowed to do. But it is a bit of an administrative headache. And I am conscious of the fact that although I've got 95 years left on the lease of my flat, when it starts to get towards 80 years, that's when it becomes very, very expensive to renew. So I want to get the ball rolling this year. I have got an idea of the cost estimate. It's probably going to be between ten and fifteen thousand pounds, which is quite a lot mm-hmm. of money. So the obvious way to finance that is to put more money on your mortgage, which I can do because I'm in a nice position. I've got lots of equity in my property. And this time of year, it's actually a very good time to be arranging a remortgage because interest rates are low. They're likely to remain low in the UK for quite a while longer with the turbulence being caused by the lack of resolution over Brexit. And certainly a few of our other commentators have made mortgage-related resolutions for that very reason. Um, my colleague James Pickford, deputy editor of FT Money, for example, tweeted, I will be setting up a modest monthly overpayment to my mortgage to reduce the total capital sum and keep those interest payments down in the long term by the time my latest fix ends I want to make a bigger dent in this debt which is a great thing to do if your mortgage lender will allow you to make a, an overpayment then a little and often paying off that could be better than the rate you'd get in a savings account for example.
1: It's a little and often seems to work for lots of things like financial habits, personal habits, it's like tapping away
0: it's not a big yeah. a big change. And then Lucy Rorick-Ching, who is the digital editor of FT Money, has also got a mortgage-related goal. She says, our five-year fixed rate mortgage comes to an end in March, but I want to lock into a low rate now to avoid any uncertainty over Brexit. I'm going to take advantage of some of the current deals and remortgage at the start of the year to get the lowest interest rate. So another one there. What were your favourites from the list of experts?
1: Um so let's see this two. So the first one is a quick easy win. It's by Lord John Lee. Mm. And he said check your premium bonds. There are currently 337,279 unclaimed prizes worth nearly 20 million. Wow. So dig yours out of the bottom drawer, register online and check if you have an unclaimed prize. There's no time limit for claims.
0: Well, that is a really good one because premium bonds are traditionally bought for Children often when they're when they're born. I actually had seven pounds worth, a big <laughs> spender, um, bought for me by my mum and dad and, and various relatives when I was barely a year old. And I went onto the NSI NSNI website last year to look up the serial numbers, and I was really really excited when I did <laughs> it because I, you know, there are some unclaimed prizes of like yeah. you know tens of thousands mm. of pounds, but sadly I had accumulated absolutely nothing uh, over the intervening 40 years, but I have registered my bonds online now, so that if I am going to win a prize in the future a I will get an online oh. notification and they've also got my up-to-date address so that is something that will take you a few minutes, potentially net you a lot of money. Any other favourites?
1: Um, so I did a column last year on the maths of Love Island. So I love Love Island.
0: And in fact, we were chatting before the podcast. For that very article, we produced a bit of a phony Venn diagram, <laughs> didn't we? And it appears that our Venn diagram showing um, the three sets, uh, FT readers, University Challenge watchers and people who watch Love Island, there is that very small intersection in the middle of those who can tick the box for all three and it sounds like the producers of university challenge may have been listening
1: yes over the christmas uh, editions of university challenge they had a set of bonus questions that paxman asked on love island contestants can uh, you believe that
0: and did any of the university challenge contestants correctly answer the love island round uh,
1: The computer says no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They need you back for for a repeat performance. But your romantic resolution suggestion has actually come from Lindsay Cook, our money mentor columnist. So she said,
1: I will introduce financial date nights with my husband, um, starting by showing him all of our savings, pension funds and investments, then credit cards and bills. I've always been in charge of the finances at home. This should ensure he won't get ripped off if... I die before he
0: does.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was double checking that last bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, fantastic. Lindsay Cook, of course, well known to to listeners on the podcast as our money mentor columnist. I mean, I am in a similar position to her as um, a woman in finance. I do all of our household finances and I repeatedly do try and tell Doug, my (laughs) long-suffering husband, where I put our money, um, what I'll I'll do. And this... uh, kind of preoccupation with sort of falling under a bus factor you could call it is also shared by Henry Pryor the property expert he says this year I really am going to make a backup file on a USB stick with all of my passwords bank accounts and a copy of my will and life insurance details for my family just in case now that has sparked a huge debate on Twitter about whether you should risk putting your online passwords and so on and so forth into a USB stick or if you should use one of the many kind of like digital vault services that are available to store these things. But it seems... If you have died and your family are looking to access your details, I think probably a paper-based file system could be slightly more accessible than something that they've got to learn the, the passwords to <laughs> to unlock, and maybe at risk of never finding it at all. <laughs> yeah, maybe something I need to get to at home as well. Yes, quite a, quite a morbid thought, not the kind of uh, sentiment we want to start a new year on. So let's turn to James Max, the Rich People's Problems columnist, who's come up with a suitably outrageous suggestion on twitter he tweeted i am determined um, in 2019 to find a fizz that costs less than 10 pounds a bottle but doesn't clean out my sinuses if we want to stay rich in these uncertain times it's time to economize without compromise I know. It sounds
1: like a political
0: slogan yeah well he's a pretty political guy um, (laughs) I have to say Um, known from his programme on talk radio he um, has had various responses to that tweet from readers suggesting different sources of cut price fizzy plonk Aldi it has to say and Waitrose Carver both come in at less than £10 a bottle and have been recommended by various readers if you want to have a look at those online you can follow James at the James Max or follow me at Claire B and uh, there's a whole thread of all of the New Year's resolutions. So, just uh, time for a couple more before we move on to the next item. Gina Miller, Brexit crusader um, and fund manager, she has tweeted. Let 2019 be the year that the FCA resolves to ensure that the C in FCA stands for cleaning up the morally bankrupt investment industry rather than endless consultations. Now, quite a strongly worded Mm. uh, resolution suggestion there, but nevertheless, one that has gone down very well with readers, no doubt with all the mayhem on the FTSE, various other indexes in 2018. It's been quite a bad year for investors overall. So I think that in 2019, it's quite possible that investment charges are going to come more sharply into Mm. focus for a lot of people for that very reason. Did you have another favourite, Bobby, that you wanted to
1: tell Yes, I quite like this one by uh, the Niku Asghari FT Money reporter. She said, to my parents' delight, I'm going to open a lifetime ISA in order to hopefully, one day, in the very distant future, buy a house. I'm also going to try and curb my online shopping, both for the good of my bank account and the environment.
0: Oh, well, that's a very a linked resolution. Spend less, save more. Yeah. I like it. N- Nicky also did a, frankly, excellent job of pulling together all of the... Twitter suggestions from our commentators. So you can read the whole article online from Friday, ft.com slash money, your financial New Year's resolution. If you want to get in touch with us and tell us about your resolution, then why not do that via the medium of Twitter at ftmoney is the handle to follow. There's already a thread on there of all of our expert suggestions, and we would love to hear yours. We also asked our readers what they were resolving to do in 2019, just before Christmas, and said sticking with the quiz theme what do you think the top answer was
1: oh so in uh, i think in dickens one of his books he says that the success for happy people is expenditure greater than or less than income, and yes, income greater than expenditure is happiness, so I think one of the two either focusing on your income or your expenditure yes in
0: no, but that i 'll give you um, ten points from that because <laughs> the top answer was saving more money, finding ways to do so, so um, in response to that, I thought I would run down the best buy savings rates now interest rates, as we know, the base rate has been on hold for a while, 0.75%. And although rates are starting to tick up, you do have to shop around to get a half decent rate of interest on your savings. Now, at the moment, it's current accounts rather than savings accounts, which are offering the best rates because the banks are using it as a recruitment tool, because statistically, you're less likely to split up with your bank than you are to actually get divorced um, <laughs> incredibly. So they're using it as a, as a kind of carrot to, to lure people over. So at the moment, the best current account deals that you can get, which give you high interest on your balance, are Nationwide, who offer 5% interest on the first £2,500 in your account. Tesco Bank offer 3% gross interest on the first £3,000 in your account. And TSB, uh, who are trying to lure back customers after their IT problems last year, are offering 5% on the first £1,500. But many current accounts also have a high interest regular saver, a linked account. Mm -hmm. that you can pledge to save a fixed amount of money into every month for a year. So you can get 5% interest with First Direct um, if you bank with them. The maximum you can save is £300 per month. And you can save up to £250 per month and get 5% interest at nationwide, HSBC, and M&S Bank. But note that that interest is applied monthly. So quite a high rate, an inflation-beaten rate, although it is on a fixed amount of money. Now, if you have children, um, it's worth checking out the Halifax. They offer the top-paying regular savings account for children, which pays 4.5% interest, paying a maximum of £100 per month. And again, that interest is calculated on a monthly basis. Another new entrant, Uh, to the banking world last year was the Marcus account by Goldman Sachs. Now, they are offering 1.5% gross interest. Uh, That is a bonus rate, so it will drop to 1.35% after a year. But if you've got a lot of money, this applies to balances of up to £250,000. So there has been an absolute gold rush um, for the Goldman account (sighs) as people hoard cash. Um, And if you're the kind of reader who prefers a savings bond where you can lock your money away for a year or longer and get a better rate. The current best buy is Atom Bank, the internet bank, which is offering a one-year fixed saver, paying a gross rate of 2.05%, which can be opened online only with an initial deposit of £50. So, Bobby, another strong theme in the reader responses to our survey was wanting to help children with their finances. Now, as a school teacher, you teach maths in in a secondary school in London, That's something that I think would appeal to your instincts.
1: Absolutely, because a a lot of young people that have even finished GCSEs, they come back and they see me when they're successful young students at university. They say, oh, Mr Seagull, the one thing I'd wish I'd learned more about at school, and especially in maths, is about financial awareness. And actually, if parents can support their kids to sort of build these habits, build these understandings of saving away £10 a month or what the impact of compound interest is. These are the things that will actually mathematically help their career longer term rather than just, obviously, I love trigonometry, Pythagoras' theorem, but financial awareness of mathematics is really important. So parents can support that early on. And all the better.
0: Now, you did a column for us last year talking about if you could revamp the GCSE maths curriculum, you would include a question, um, an open-ended question, about how to get the best mobile phone contract, which I think is a fantastic piece of A, numerical challenge, and B, the real-world financial now for, for young people today.
1: That's absolutely right, because in the real world, like in a maths exam, in a maths exam normally, generally the answer will be the answer was tick or cross, exactly yeah, the dreaded. Or cross. See me, <laughs> yeah, see me, <laughs> or detention. But in the real world in finance, often things are not quite clear cut. It's like one option looks better than the other, and this is why I think so. And, and that's what you know when you're making financial investment decisions, or savings decisions, or remortgaging, there's never a clear cut, or there rarely is a clear cut answer.
0: Yeah, no, we, we did a similar exercise. One of my stepsons over the, the Christmas break, he has recently moved out and he wants to buy a mattress. Um, for his new flat. My goodness there are so many mattress deals, you can get a mattress on finance from all of these places, you can get mattresses with springs coils, memory foam um, you know all kinds of options and and then the delivery times and the delivery costs so we had a lot of fun working through that but it's exactly that kind of thing that parents can do if you're doing it regularly then when you start to have conversations about saving money budgeting and ultimately investing which Mm is what lots of our commentators uh, want to get their children into investing, that's the kind of openness and transparency that you're going to need.
1: It is. Um, So so again, little and often, rather than Inundating your child with, you know, on January the first, a one hour PowerPoint lecture saying, son, daughter, this is what you should do, is a little and often the regular conversations that make a difference.
0: Well, before we go, something that you could involve your children with if you wanted to, is the FT stock picking quiz. Now I'm very excited to tell readers and listeners about this one because it's something that the FT has been doing every year. The writers on the Markets Desk have an annual competition to help the FT seasonal appeal. Um, we all pay a nominal sum to winter and pick five stocks that can be listed on a stock market anywhere in the world and say whether we want to go long or short, i.e. we're betting that the share price is going to rise or going to fall over the duration of 2018 and we will have the results of the 2018 FT Writers Stock Picking Competition in FT Money this weekend, which Robert Smith, my colleague on the Markets Desk, not the lead singer of the Cure, um, is going to be is going to be writing up. I know that I'm not the winner because uh, one of my failed New Year's resolutions last year was entering the competition on time. I, I didn't. I, I sadly, I sadly failed. And I have entered uh, this year's, and so can you for free if you go to ft.com/slash stockpicker. In the singular stock picker, you can answer five questions about the five stocks that you would like to pick and whether you want to go long or go short and leave us a few cursory details. If over the course of 2019, you have the portfolio that outperforms, we will be inviting you into the FT's new offices in Bracken House the end of the year to come and lord it over the rest of us if you manage to outwit our stock picking skills. So again, the, the link for that competition is ft.com slash stock picker. All the usual terms and conditions apply. Now, if you've got any Christmas money left over, may I recommend one thing you may consider spending it on is Bobby Seagull's book, which is out now, isn't it, Bobby? Yes, The,
1: the Life Changing Magic of Numbers. So it's partly autobiographical, but the book is about showing how maths is everywhere in life, whether and cooking or the gym or my search for love. Numbers is everywhere. And I've had lot, over the Christmas period lots of parents buying it for their kids, and their kids have been engrossed on sofas. I've had pictures, people on Twitter sending me their kids reading on the sofa, sort of giving up bits of trivia about maths on my book. So, yeah, it's definitely a great book that parents could actually read with their kids or parents by themselves as well.
0: Well, I have to say, my favourite bit was um, your chapter on football cards yes. and i had this image of you age seven in the playground um in east ham <laughs>
1: <laughs> with a huge duffel
0: coat i need that sticker <laughs> yeah wonderful Um there's so many examples in there of how um, statistics and maths can be applied to real life situations well thank you very much bobby seagull for coming in and co-presenting this special new year's resolution edition of the ft money podcast with me claire barrett the ft money editor we will be back next week at the usual time goodbye